0: So as Linda reads scripture today, I just want to share a few thoughts about our message today, which is Jesus talks about the harvest. And we've been doing a sermon series kind of in order, you know, starting with the soil and then the seeds and then the weeds last week. And harvest uh, is the theme for this week. And yet I wonder if, it's not always in that order. And during Lent, Lent is a time when we are invited to enter sacred time, God's time. And and things don't always happen in the order that we expect them to. So I wonder if the harvest Jesus is talking about is really a harvest that can happen in any moment. And
1: what does that mean? Now think about that as you're hearing God's word. Thank you, Linda. The scripture comes to us from John chapter 4, verses 31 to 37. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you, and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving rages, and is gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows and another reaps. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
0: Well, good morning, and I just, I want to say I'm really very, very honored to be up here again giving the message while Brad's readjusting to the time zone. And so, some of you uh, who were on staff parish relations last year, I think it was just a year ago, it feels longer, may have heard um, the story of my first call Which is kind of an awkward word, at least it was for me at first, Um, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. But it happened when I was 15, and I had a girlfriend who was telling me about the story of Rumi and Shem din Rumi was a 13th century Persian uh, scholar, and, um, and Shems was a wandering mystic. And it's told that when they met, Shems asked Rumi a question that opened his heart to God, just wide open, and he fainted. And he fell to the floor, and when he awoke, uh, he and Shems withdrew and and spent their days and nights talking about God. And when I heard that, I just went, "What? You can you can do that? You can you can spend your days and nights talking about God? You're kidding! I want to do that." But I was only 15, and so that little voice, that yearning was just a seed, a God seed, if you will. And it took many, many years of teachers and mentors and counselors and ministers and, yes, yes, a community called Aldersgate to water that seed and shine light on it and help it grow. In those interim years, we've all heard the name of God misused, misused. Um, I've lived more than one generation by now, but it seems in my lifetime that people sometimes don't even know what that word means. And it becomes an awkward moment where, well, how do you talk about God? But I don't think we need to limit ourselves, you know, to that one word. It carries, I guess you'd say, a lot of baggage with it, of of even generations or, or thousands of years of people coming to terms with their relationship with something totally other. And so, and so, there's so many words that we can use. There's almost as many words for God as, as there are ways to pray. Uh, Aronai, Elohim, Yahweh, Abba, Holy One, Redeemer, Savior, you know. Are, and isn't the name for God less important than the attitude of the one praying? It, certainly, if we're asking God to harm someone else, we're not praying, but cursing. And really, we could pray using an almost any syllable we like, or or with no sound at all, if we pray with the desire to unify ourselves with, with the all-abiding love, and grace of the universe. Then we are saying God's name. During one meeting with my uh, my spiritual director, so just a beautiful man, I'm very blessed to to be guided by him, and he knew the story of that 15-year-old Laura, and he suddenly stopped and he asked me. Are we talking about God? And I said, "Oh, yes." And he said, "Why? How why do you say that we we haven't said the word God once?" I had to think about that, and I said, "Well, because you're you're encouraging me. You're you're telling the truth. You're offering me hope and comfort." You know? So how do you speak about God? What brings you closer? Bridges the distance between you and this immeasurable, unknowable presence. What makes you fall to the ground? Removes the scales from your eyes. Whispers through your soul like a wind. And opens you to the mystery of love. What waters your God seed? On summer nights when my son was younger, I used to let him camp out in the backyard. Oh, he was far from roughing it you know, pillows and blankets and marshmallows and probably a lot of other food items I didn't approve of. But I liked to think of him safe and snug and yet still able to hear the owls and the nightlife. One particular campout night, as I was reading in my bed, or maybe more more accurately, falling asleep with the book on my chest, I heard this pink 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 scrabble, scrabble, scrabble on my window, which is... The second-story window. So I, I grabbed my robe, and I went to the window. I was pretty grumpy and groggy, and I looked down, and there was my son, half naked, with black goo smeared all over his face and chest. Hi, Mom. <laughs> I saw your light on, so I thought I'd say hi. <laughs> Did I mention that this was at midnight? And of course, as, my, as a parent, my first instinct was, "What are you doing out of bed? And 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 why are you waking me up? And and." But of course, there's also another parental instinct, which is probably the only reason there still is a human species. <laughs> and that was the one, fortunately, that intervened at that moment. And I looked down at my son, and and what I saw was this shiny gangly-legged and armed boy with a face as bright as the moon, and I just melted. I just melted. And needless to say, that was my God moment for the day. It didn't start out that way. I started out cranky and irritable, but I got overtaken by love. And isn't, or what if that's what God's call is like all the time? A pebble on our window when we're Really, not in the mood. We're tired and we've already done so much, and we just want to read our mystery novel, sip our hot chocolate. But I've had this half memorized, not all the memorized. But God's call is never really, it doesn't really, it's never really convenient. It doesn't come when we're ready. It doesn't come when we've penciled it in on our schedules for the day, and so we can miss it. We always miss it, because it's there all the time, calling us all the time. But what happens when we hear it? Moonlight steals into our little room and illuminates it from within like the brightest star. And we know that nothing else matters so much or ever will matter again as much as answering that call. Which brings me back to that word call. I'm going to get my water. That word call. Excuse me. When I first was exploring ministry, and people would ask me, you know, tell me about your call. It felt very awkward to me. I, I just got this picture of, you know, God up in heaven with a trumpet. Do, 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 you are called. And, I, and I, just, I thought, that can't be right, you know. But then I was talking with my spiritual director. I said, what, is this? what do people mean even? He said, well, think about it maybe like a tug on your heart. And that made sense to me. And then I was talking about it with my mentor, my wonderful mentor, Pastor Lee Carney Hartman, who's out in Fall City. And she said, maybe it's more about our response. You know? And that made sense to me. Because as a 15-year-old girl, hearing that you really could you could spend your days talking about God. My response was, wow. Wow. And today, even just knowing that God is present in our world, even our world, I still get that. Wow. And sometimes it takes me into the desert, into the quiet, into the dark, the place where I can feel an intimacy with God that's beyond words. And when I'm filled up with that love, when my God seed has been watered, and I want to... Share that with everyone. I want to breathe on their God spark and and water their God seed and watch it grow and nurture it and imagine all the ways it could bear fruit one day. Look around you, Jesus said, and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The wheat is so tall and thick that the first light of dawn A golden glow spreading through the stalks seems to set the field aflame. And then a wind riffles through like the breath of God. And the golden field ripples like a dancing mystic. And out of that dance, into that gentle wind, the wheat releases its fruit. And aren't we to be that breath? Speaking the names of God into the golden fields. The names of love and mercy and kindness. Isn't that what Jesus calls us to do? Like John Wesley saying with his dying breath, God is with us. Emmanuel. Isn't this how we harvest souls? Not by claiming them like some trophy, but by breathing on the fire within, by watering the God seed so that it grows. And isn't that, isn't this church proof of that? After from twenty, well, I don't know, twenty years, however many years of, of habitat builds to the amazing Grace School in Thailand to the mission, to the Umcor kits in the lobby and everything in between, isn't this the way that the church called Aldersgate speaks mercy and truth and love? I'll just close with a, I'll close with a blessing. May we all continue to water the God seed. Our own as well as others with acts of peace and joy and love, with mercy and comfort and hope, with longing and redemption and healing. Just think what a harvest that will bring. Amen.